0: Like that? Do you want to keep drinking and die that way? I have to respect that choice. Let me play my part. Except two Like, is that real? Did that happen? Like... The structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like... I
1: didn't want
0: to die. But I didn't want to live. A helpless little girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless.
1: The body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take
0: away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to create change.
1: Do you have a few more minutes to talk sure. change it to a positive? Yes, let's do that. So let's talk about recovery. We talked a little bit about EMDR. Mm-hmm. And uh, in all these stories, people tell me what t- some of the things they've been through now and how they're connecting with the album. Yeah. Um, Hate Becoming, right. buy it on iTunes, support the foundation. And um, And. Uh, and
0: digitally, and other methods, and physically. Yeah,
1: you can buy the CD <laughs> the uh, at kellynicole.com. <laughs> Uh, and the flash drive, and which includes the documentary and her music video for Infected. Uh, that's all on the website, and uh, or you can just buy it the way you normally get music, like uh, Spotify or iTunes. Anyway, um, I'm really, I get sometimes overwhelmed by how what people are capable of doing to each other in uh-huh. this world. Yeah. But then what what seems to come out in the end is just the resilience of people, and you, sure. it's amazing what we can heal from. It's yeah. amazing how the human sure. mind and body uh-huh. can heal. Yeah. You talked about. Being an addict, changing your mind right. physically yeah. in a permanent way. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what recovery has looked like for you and sure. different things that you've seen with other people that were, were helpful and like yeah So let's talk about the positive side. Okay. Anything um, you want to say. Right.
0: So I sort, of, I, I sort of feel like, so the things that I, have you know, <clears throat> that I, like I, I, earlier I said I'm big into is like courage, vulnerability, and strength, and and like trust and that sort of stuff. So early on, right, like my treatment place did a good job of saying, you know, you can't like building me up, like you can do this, like you can stay sober, like that part of it, they did a really good job, right? And so there was probably, after I got out, I was still young, there was a couple of periods, right? Um, But overall, you know, at this point, the last time I ever used drugs was July 7th of the, the year 2000. So Nonsense and No alcohol, nothing. Because that's just what I choose, right? Mm-hmm. I find a lot of value in harm reduction and all kinds of different things, right? Because we have to look at each person individually and say, is the system failing this person or is the person failing the system?
1: The system being treatment, counseling, therapy, all the resources that are available in the whole world? Exactly. That's the system? Yep. Okay.
0: Is this system doing that? So I'm done on that bit. I'll, I just... That's, I feel like that's really important to take a look at people who, let's say, have gone to treatment 32 times.
1: Yeah, what's failing? The addict or right. the treatment? Yeah. Well, but generally, be to, it as an advocate, someone says, listen, you, this person eventually has to just say, like you said, and like so many do, I'm not going to live like this anymore. And what if they some don't have don't. the keys to do it? Oh, that's the thing. Do we just look at certain people in the population and say, this person can't be well? Right. That's what's sad. What's the point
0: of continuing? But honoring, like, it's like their truth, right? Like getting to help to figure them out, right? I've had conversations with chronic alcoholics where I've had to say, listen, do you want to keep drinking and die that way? Because if you do, I have to respect that choice. Do you know what happens in that place where you can go there with a person? What? They end up finding their truth. And it ends up generally being, no, I don't want to do that. But if they're always told you can't, you can't, you can't, Right? Mm -hmm. They never get to see that for themselves.
1: So you think you found it's empowering (laughs) to tell them, hey, it is a choice and you can make it. Right. But it's up to you. It's not up to me, your parents, your kids. Exactly. I'm sure you've met in your lifetime mothers or fathers who have had to say to a child, Mm -hmm. where do you want me to bury you? Because that's where you're headed. Yeah. I've seen, uh, I I don't remember what it was, but I've got something in my head right now of a mother walking through. Um, a cemetery with her son saying it might be like a movie trailer I think it's a movie that's coming out right now but it's real anyway yeah Um, pick a spot right where do you want to be buried because it looks like I'll be doing it Mm -hmm. is that just like shock value family bullshit or is that something that can change a person's mind
0: it could if you're being real about it like authentic about it not trying to shame that person or scare them yeah there's a difference, well, it's so hard. Yeah, we're it's, trying to the you find that line, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, started positive, <laughs> in the lower the but I always have these. You know, like that's how, <laughs> that's kind. Of, that's what my days like all the time.
1: Okay, recovery. Yes,
0: that's <laughs> what my days like all the time. You know, we always worry about. You know, when the other shoe will drop. Have you ever heard that term? Of course. But we have to realize that life has ups and it has downs, and then it has ups again, and then it has downs. Yeah. So why waste your time waiting for the shoe to drop? Because we know that it's going to go down at some point. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a lot of this has helped me as a person over, you know, developing over recovery. I attended meetings, I attend meetings like Narcotics Anonymous meetings, that sort of stuff. Um, I've been involved in like service work and volunteer stuff. I've worked on steps. I've had sponsors. I've done that sort of thing. And then I've also gone to school and learned the mental health side of a lot of things. So... I wasn't one of those people that went to school to fix myself. I already had gotten a lot of the repair work done for myself, and I went to school to further learn, right? Interesting. Because I knew that presence and being able to be there and, like, having presence with people and, like, learning about all the things that I didn't know was going to help me be able to be better for those people. So I wasn't the type of person that went to school to fix myself. I had already figured out a lot of it.
1: Wow. Yeah. That was pretty young, though.
0: It was. Yeah. You could say I'm an old soul. Yeah. <laughs> so recovery, you know, is, it looks different for many different things. You know, when I work with people right now who struggle with eating disordered behavior or eating disorders or addiction issues or any of that stuff, you know, I kind of feel fortunate in that I am a person that can go there with people. I can go to those places where they need to go in order to be able to see things for what they are for themselves.
1: And you can suspend judgment. You seem yeah. to have that really natural ability to suspend judgment. You're like, this is who this person is right now. Right. And thinking they should be something else will do absolutely, absolutely nothing of value. My agenda
0: in this is not going to help them at all.
1: No. How do you just put that aside so easily? Because some people can never get past the judgment piece. Like, hey, they're I doing it I can do it, it great at work.
0: That's not to say that <laughs> I do that in my personal life all the time, right, because right. I'm human, but...
1: So professionally, it's easy to put up that wall and just flip a switch.
0: It's because I know it's almost like whether I get it or I didn't get that, my experience in my younger days with having been in therapy and things like that, I don't know if I, I can't recall if I actually got that or not Hmm. or if it was shame that kept motivating me, but just like the grasping of the things that I learn and putting two and two together and being experienced with clients and what I see the system, how it fails people or all kinds of different things is sort of like my accumulation of my experience. Mm -hmm. Helps me suspend the judgment and really be able to, you know, some people I can just sit there and be like, okay, well, I just had an example the other day where someone said, well, you know, previously in therapy, Mm All they want to do is talk, and they never want to give me anything they don't want to give me coping skills, they want to ask me to do homework or you know that sort of stuff.
1: You said all they wanted was for you to talk, but they weren't teaching you skills
0: right like the like I have this this client that had said, you know previous therapists have never asked me to do things Gotcha. they just wanted to talk right
1: thinking that the cognitive talk therapy was the only key
0: right and so here I am, been trying and trying, like, hey, will you try this? Or, hey, check out this video? Or, hey, will you just whatever, right? Yeah. And they kept saying, basically, no. F <laughs> you, I'm not going to do it. And so we got to the point where it's like, all right. So you see this. Here's the dichotomy. I'm just going to sit with you and your shit, and we're going to see where we go with it, right? right? Instead of me being like, you know, that's probably not good for you. Like, maybe could you try this? Instead of doing that, all right. It sucks. It's fucked up. Yep. I mean, I can't even imagine, like, you know, like, that has to be horrible, whatever. And then finally, like, you know what? I think I'm actually going to try that.
1: Really? But I had to go there with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have to go there with people. If I thought, if I were to say what, you know, with you and me being, you know, you interviewing me today, where I'd want to leave it, go there with people. Let them go there. Let them see that it's okay to unveil the darkest parts of their brain or their self or their soul and that they won't be harmed for it. Right. Because that's where the healing happens. Does that make sense to
1: you? Absolutely. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not. You know, to open up to someone else's... Absolutely not. To someone else's waking nightmare, whatever Mm -hmm. they're carrying with them. Right. You know? Yeah. But it definitely makes sense that... Like at the last event, there were some people there who said, you know, there's maybe one person in the world I can talk with, this, with about this stuff. And these are people with family, yeah. friends, yeah. who look at their social media and be like, oh, you know, they've got the avatar up. They've, right. got, they've got their life going and everything. But um, how many people can they really say, this is what it's like to be me for a day? Right. And this is what I'm feeling that I don't tell anybody. Right. And this is the images that pop into my head that I don't tell anybody. Right. Um, for anyone considering, like, a career in, in the mental health space, yeah, can you talk a little bit about what it's been like for you, the fulfilling side of it? It's hard work. Obviously, you see people destroy themselves. Mm-hmm. But there's another side of it, too.
0: Yes. You mean the, I get to be proud of people's part?
1: Yeah. And just, I mean, you're a part of turning <laughs> right. people around, you know? Yeah. There were people who were...
0: I'm not the type of person, I will preface, I'm not the type of person that actually takes any sort of credit for that. Because... How I provide therapy, really, hear me out on it, okay? Uh, Hear me out, though, just for a second. I provide the space where they get to figure things out. I can provide places where people can talk and figure and practice and whatever it is that helps them figure it out for themselves so they make their own choices. It's not me forcing upon my choices upon them. Uh, That's the type of therapist I am. Do you so, feel like you
1: teach people tools and techniques to replace their addictions, the, replace yeah, the eating disorder, what? replace the drugs? they will and
0: practice it. I don't do that for them.
1: Yeah.
0: They go you know, I might give them the idea and they get to choose whether they want it or not, but then they won't do it. Right. So I can't take credit for that. That's why I say that. Because if 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 <clears throat> if you think about it the other way, people become dependent on therapy.
1: You've talked about we've talked about being addicted to treatment. Yeah. And that people can get, I don't know if it's addicted to the sense of being helped. Like, hey, uh, while Mm -hmm. I'm in this building, everyone here wants me (coughs) to survive. Right. And maybe being out in the regular world, it doesn't feel like anyone gives a fuck what happens to me. And you can get addicted to that feeling of being cared about. It's easy to just say, well, go find that somewhere else. You're not going to live here forever. But that's pretty callous, right? So what do we do about that?
0: Exactly. So what I like to do is help provide evidence to people as they're growing and changing, like, look, you did this. Yeah. Like, I want you to take time to give yourself a little credit right now because this is what you did. So that they start to have that source of of self-worth and that self-trust where they can go and be like, you know what? Yeah. Like, I can make my, I can make decisions. Like, I'm going to be okay making the choices. Eat
1: without training wheels.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how I function.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah, there must be some highlights from your career so far, and feeling like you've seen some. Oh yeah, people that no for one sure. thought would turn around. Oh, for sure. What does that feel like?
0: Um, pretty awesome. There isn't <laughs> words. There isn't words. It's more of like a felt sense, I guess you could say. Sort of like a, it's exciting. You can be kind of like scared for them, but you're hopeful for them. It's very like, um, like. Seeing somebody that, you know, because you develop, I mean, therapy is a relationship. Absolutely. So you care about your clients, right? Like you care about them. You know, that's where we have ethics and laws and things to help us be able to continue to be that non-biased person. But we still, it's a relationship.
1: There's professional boundaries. But you know those people who really desperately need (laughs) therapy and they don't go because they're like, well, I'm not going to have someone paid to care about me. I'm like, it's not paid to care about you. It's paid for their education to get the skills to reveal the part of yourself that's able to heal.
0: Well, and just think about, I mean, I don't know what your experience is, but I know that if I got family members that are going through something and then I try to tell them, they don't want to hear it.
1: No. Yeah, are you going to listen to <laughs> the person who would, who actually doesn't take your shit? Right. If you listen to them, you wouldn't be doing it anymore. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I see what you're saying. Therapist, you know, non-biased place. Like,
0: I don't have, like, the experience. You don't need to take my word for it or not, you know, like, yeah. you know, like,
1: and they're in the mix. Like your friends yeah. and family are down in the shit with you. And sometimes we and just. They need can't always see clearly.
0: People remove. Right. They can't yeah. see clearly. Right.
1: Yeah. So but I'm a yeah. fan of bringing them in, like. For sure. To a th- you know, group there. I was in so Absolutely. many sessions with Cal every week for three years. I was right there. Right. I tried not to dominate it, but now and then they, she'd want to know my opinion about something. I'm trying for to remember, sure. like, an example of when I had anything useful to offer. Uh. It was a lot of like some of what we did earlier today, like yeah. she'd be hard on herself and I'd be like, no, Cal, that's not you. That was what was done to you. Right. That we're trying to, to heal. Mm-hmm. That was what, you know, she couldn't see the difference between her behavior and things that were done to her. She would hate oh, herself for things bringing, that were done to her. You're bringing up something super important. And I hated that. I was like, yeah. I talked about the last three days of her life and how I wanted to undo that sense of right. hating herself for what other people did to her because you feel gross afterwards. Right. Do you know that a lot of the times, and
0: I don't know if this is a general thing or not, but it seems like the experience I have with people when they've come to me, if they have, like, an eating disorder or they struggle with addiction, is that people don't put effort into trying to separate themselves from it. So if, if you know, they don't try and pull, like, so you saying, you know, that was really important. That was really, I just want to touch on that because yeah. that was actually big. Um, <clears throat> if, if, if I'm talking to... You know, they, they refer to it as Ed, right? If I'm talking to Ed, which is the eating disorder. Eating disorder, yeah. If I'm talking to Ed, then I'm talking to you at the same time, right? If you're the one that has Ed, okay? Yeah. But if you think about it, there's a sense of separation in there because Ed, we try to, like, make it look like it's another person or another entity or something else because if I can pull it off of me, then I don't have to identify with it as me. Wow. You know? So that's pretty huge in being able to help a person sort of like see like they get lost in like what's Ed thoughts and what's Carmen's thoughts, mm-hmm. right? What is the difference? Who am I in here? And when we do something and we shame ourselves so bad, we're convinced that we need Ed. We convince ourselves that we need Ed to survive because that's the only thing that hasn't judged us yet. That's the only thing that doesn't worry about what we're going to do or how we're going to do it. It just wants us to survive. So it identifies, you know, we identify
1: with it, Ed. So that's where a self-destructive eating disorder can feel like the safest place in the world. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So I just wanted to... No, I mean, that's amazing. For me, it was... The, e- the easiest thing about sup- trying to be supportive to her is that it was so obvious to see what was the disorder and what was her, because it was so stark. Yeah. Like, it's 4 in the morning, and I go downstairs. I'm like, Keller, are you coming to bed? And she's like, I think my body needs food. I don't know what to do. I was like, okay. Um, she's trying to eat. This is like something something to encourage, even mm-hmm. though it's 4 in the morning, and it would be nice if she was asleep. But we go to the kitchen, and we open up the freezer. And I said, well, you know, you do great with these Indian foods. I'm always really proud of you. One of, one of these Indian frozens. And she was not kidding, and she looked at me and said, that's emergency food. That's for emergencies only. And she was dead ass serious yeah. as mm-hmm. a heart attack. And I paused because I was like, is she really joking at four in the morning? I'm like, right. I'm tired. I looked at her face. She wasn't kidding. Right. She thought she wasn't allowed to eat that. Right. And so when you have such stark differences, she's acting as a normal person. Yeah. She's acting as actually a very high functioning, highly intelligent person who can figure out and learn anything by herself. Right. At the drop of a hat, she knows how it works. Yeah. And knows how to make it better and knows how she'd improve it just like that. Right. But she doesn't know she's allowed to eat that palak paneer in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had to stop and be like... Ed tells her he can't, she can't. Yeah. I was yep. like, okay, Teresa, that's just a part of her mind that actively wants her dead. Right. You need to separate that out and, and not make her feel stupid. Right. Because, you know, for someone who to could do everything she could do to get dominated by an right. English muffin, it's humiliating. Right. It'd be so easy for you to say, ha you're crazy, you can eat that yeah. whenever you want. And I just, I just paused and I said, uh, baby... You can eat anything in this house anytime you want. There's no right. such thing as emergency food, and right. she looked like I was telling her that the sun wasn't coming up tomorrow. Right. I said, "There's no such thing. Like, mm-hmm. look, look me in the eyes right now. There's no such thing as emergency food. Anything right. you want, you can eat anytime you want." Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a that was really, really. I could see in her mind she was just battling. Right, because you could see, you could see Ed in that. Easily. Yeah. I didn't find it hard. I wonder, I'm guessing there's a lot of family dynamics where they don't differentiate and they treat the person who has an eating disorder like they're an irritation. Right. And I feel for them. So, yeah, I think that's good that you mentioned differentiating between the disorder and the person. Mm -hmm. Because I feel bad for families out there where they're having a hard time drawing that line. Yeah. And for me, it was just, she would say something that made absolutely no sense and it would clink in my head right away like, oh, okay, that's a part of her mind that wants her dead. Yeah. That's your enemy. Right. You know?
0: So just remind everybody that when it didn't make sense in your mind, that was a red flag to saying that Ed was there or whatever the addiction is, is there. If it doesn't make sense in your mind, the person who doesn't struggle with the addiction,
1: Mm -hmm. that's
0: where the
1: addiction thrives. When the person stops making sense, right? Yeah, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. All I can do is look back and hope I handle those things well. Uh, exactly. I, I think you can only do so much, you know. Mm-hmm. I always, I always. Right. I don't know if we really save each other. I don't know if I thought I was going to save her, but I thought we would have more time. Um, Definitely, people say that she—they think that she had a little more time because she was eating so well while we were hanging out. It's a nice thought, I guess. But all it, all you can say at the end of this conversation is just, you know, understand that there's the person and there's the illness inside their mind mm-hmm. and treasure the person and battle the illness at their side. Yeah. Try to differentiate. And if you can't tell, I mean, I guess that's the time to sit down and talk about it, right? That's right. If you can't tell, then search. Right. Because it's not always black and white. Be obvious curious. Answers. Ask questions. And, yeah. Try and understand. If you can't, then have some. find someone else who can't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, ask the person, what, what is the most <clears throat> frustrating thing about this disorder that you don't feel like you can tell anyone, and I'm not going to laugh at you? Because you'd be surprised what they might say. Yeah. Kelly used to think her food smelled like fish. I would bring her a bowl of, like, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and she'd make this face, and I'd be like, okay, she's embarrassed about something. I'd say, what is it? You know, it's no big deal, it's just me here. And she said, baby, I'm so sorry. Can you please smell this and tell me it's not fish? I know it isn't, but can you just please do it? I said, of course. And I smelled it. I would really do it. Right. And hand it back to her say, it's not fish, it's cereal. I just made it for you. Right. And she'd eat it. Like, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. can you imagine saying that to someone you're casually having, like, I a business absolutely. lunch with? Right. Pardon me, sir. <coughs> right. <laughs> it's so much of these uh, mental disorders are, like, the humiliation is the part that kills you. Yeah. You know? It's you It's the glasses tell you're anyone. looking through. It's the oh. lens you're seeing. Yeah. Right? Well, I think this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful. Um, to have you hang out with me for an hour. Well, I
0: appreciate you inviting me, Of
1: for course. Sure. Thanks for following along with the foundation. Uh, I always ask people one final question. Okay. Um, do you believe music can change the world? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Duh. i <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> There's my point. No doubt.
1: <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> awesome. You're a big fan of the arts, a big fan of creativity as a healing force. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It has been in your life? Oh, uh,
0: uh, yeah.
1: Music is a...
0: Um, <clears throat> it, excuse me allergies <laughs> keep happening um, every day I wake up with a different song in my head and that kind of helps me go hmm I wonder why
1: I woke up with that one today gives you something to think about uh huh awesome well I'm gonna hit stop thank you so much this has been awesome Did you feel like you got everything you wanted out of it for sure alright how about you yeah yeah this is like six months of content no I'm just <laughs> kidding <laughs> I'm gonna have to rename the podcast shit oh. <laughs> that was- Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movie. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole Band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Apple